This is Dr. Carmetra Burton, the host of the Mind Your Business podcast, where we provide information and inspiration for entrepreneurs and leaders. My guest today is Crystal Khalil, author of Hard Workers Work Hard and Networkers Move Up. Crystal is challenging us to shift the behaviors that hinders our success. She also talks about the importance of hard work, but how networking is even more critical in our careers today and the importance of being a servant leader. We hope you enjoy this episode. So Crystal, welcome to Mind Your Business. Thank you, Carmitra. I'm so excited to join you on this podcast. I've been listening to you and you know I'm one of your greatest supporters. I love everything you do. So I'm glad to be able um, to speak to your listeners today and join you. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate you for being here. Um, And Crystal and I know each other because we served as executives for um, two major companies in supplier diversity and our paths crossed and we just connected. And I love when when that happened with two kindred spirits. So thank you again for that. And let's just jump right on in. So we're going to talk about your book, Hard Workers Work Hard and Networkers Move Up, Accelerate Your Career 10 Times faster. What inspired the book? Well, you know, Carmichi, I've been moving through corporate America and navigating corporate America for over 20 years. And I became an avid reader and uh, study of leadership and what it, what it is, what it means, and, you know, how do you become a better leader? And as I navigated through the corporate structure, um, I started to learn new things, being behind the scenes, in the boardrooms, um, that I realized that most people don't have access to, and they don't understand how to navigate the corporate structure, how to increase their potential, in particular, women of color, you know, that were raised to be hard workers and just don't understand the the power of networking. And a lot of the books that I read, you know, they lead the reader on with platitudes, but I wanted to really add actionable insights and advice so that they could understand the formula for how to grow their corporate career and give them a sneak peek into the big boardrooms. Mm-hmm. I like that. So you're passing on the playbook. Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. You're passing on the playbook to those that are going to come after you with all the lessons you've learned. Um, and I think that's so important that we do that because it really props up our next generation of, of women leaders. Right. Or leaders, period. Exactly. And, and, you know, I took the hard road and I and I mm-hmm. didn't want them to have to take the hard road. Mm-hmm. wanted to provide, you know, access to them, mentorship to help them to, to navigate the, the landmines in corporate America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about it, right? Corporate America, being a woman, you know, you had a very impressive career. And like most of us, we work hard. Mm-hmm. But when did you realize, Crystal, hard work ain't getting it? When did the <laughs> light go off? <laughs> you know what, um, Carmicha, I was raised by very, two very hardworking parents. Um, mm-hmm. My mother worked in manufacturing for Kodak. That's where she retired. My father was a truck driver. Um, they, they worked hard their entire careers, and they taught me, like most people, um, you've got to work twice as hard to get half, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what I went into 
college believing and I went into corporate America. And when I when I walked through the doors of my first corporate job, you know, I was so excited and all this new knowledge, I'm ready to take on the world. And when I looked around, I didn't see anybody who looked like me. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't see anybody who looked like me in positions of leadership. And so what I began to do is fall back on what my parents had taught me, you know, keep your nose down, your head clean, you, you, you keep your mm-hmm. nose down, you know, keep, keep yourself clean, work hard, mm-hmm. go to work, do your nine to five, go home. Mm-hmm. And I fell into that routine because that's what I knew. And that's what was comfortable. That's what was familiar. Mm-hmm. I was the hardest worker. I learned the ropes and I came in every day and my goal and my mission was to exceed expectations, but I did not get to know the people that I worked with. I did not network. Year one, year two, year three, I'm kicking butt, I'm hitting all my KPIs, but I'm getting passed over for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, maybe it's because I need to go back to school and get my, my, my master's degree, mm-hmm. got a bachelor's degree. Maybe I need to go back and get my master's degree. I don't have enough education, even though some of my colleagues that were getting passed up, didn't even have a bachelor's degree. They, they were getting uh, promoted and didn't even have a bachelor's degree, but I thought, okay, I've got it. I'm work. I'm the hardest worker. Now I've got to be the most educated. So I went back, got my master's degree year four, year five, year six, year Mm. seven, year eight. And I'm still not promoted. I'm still doing the same job. And I was frustrated. And I went to my manager and I was like, you know what? This is not the place for me. I think I need to move on. Every year I come in here, you give me these great reviews, tell me I'm doing a good job, but I've applied for jobs. I'm not getting, I'm not being, you know, offered any opportunities to grow in this organization. And I think I need to leave. And he said, you know what? I'm glad we're having this conversation. I've watched you and you are the hardest worker, but that is all you will ever be until you learn to network. Mm. People um, are promoted over golf, drinks, net, you know, uh, water cooler conversations. He's like, you've got to get out of your bubble. You come in, mm-hmm. you keep your head down, you do your job, you go home, but you don't network. And people promote people they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. Right. And <laughs> Carmitra, you already right. know. Can you imagine mm-hmm. how pissed I was with that conversation? I was going <laughs> to ask you, how did that make you feel? And in that moment, kind of tell our listeners, how did you respond? Because I know a lot of our listeners have had that conversation with their leaders. I'm working hard. Hey, my KPIs are met. I'm getting, you know, you know, adequate bonuses. And they tell you you're a hard worker, but you're not network enough. How did you respond to that? I, I was I was very angry, I'm gonna be honest with you, and I didn't understand it because it went against everything that I'd learned. You know, it went against my basic core beliefs that if I work hard enough, I should get a promotion. I deserve a promotion. And so I had to I had to go home and truly reflect on what he said to me. And then when I came back, I started watching the people who were getting promoted. And I started to watch how they moved through the organization and they weren't always the hardest workers, but they knew how to play the politics. They knew how to build relationships. They knew how to do enough to be, um, to, to be recognized. They knew how to advocate for their ideas, advocate for themselves, speak up in the, in the, in the conversations. And I, so I just started to study them. 
and how they move through the organization. And to be honest with you, at that organization, I could not change. I couldn't change the perception that I created for myself of my potential. So I, I learned and then I went on, I t- accepted a new position at a new company. But when I started that new opportunity, I had a new opportunity to um, change the perception of myself and my image. So I went in with a, a different mindset that I am going to play this game the way it needs to be played. I'm going to start building relationships. And it wasn't easy because I'm naturally an introvert. And we're going to talk about that. So before we move on, so you said you changed organizations, right? You Mm -hmm. took the feedback of your leader. And when you went to a new organization, you shifted your thinking. So you talk to us about how your parents, same as me, your parents, keep your nose clean, keep your head down, work Mm -hmm. hard, do your job. And in fact, they would say, don't go to lunch or dinner with your colleagues, right? Set boundaries. That's what we're all taught. So let's call that what it is. Would you say that's a limiting belief? It is. And and I understand where it comes from. You know, Mm -hmm. my parent, my mom's from Alabama, from Greenville, Alabama. My mother Mm -hmm. picked cotton as a child, Carmetria. So, you know, she has her own limiting beliefs based Mm -hmm. on her experiences in life. And rightly Mm -hmm. so. And so as, as her child, I adopted those limiting beliefs. And I, you know, even though I had higher opportunities and more opportunities um, than she did, I still had those beliefs that I'd learned from home that I Mm -hmm. learned from my parents. And so it was holding me back. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, companies can be, they can try to be as inclusive and diverse as possible. But if we are not able to show up in the conversations and we're not comfortable being able to connect with colleagues and show up in those conversations, it it can't, it can't happen. Mm And so, you know, I realized it it starts with me. Yeah. So you, you, you shifted your mindset in your new position. And I think you said, so tell us, what did that look like? What did this new shift look like for you in your new role? Yeah, it it was, it was really interesting because I, I had had that mindset shift and then I moved to a multinational organization, right? That was a German, that had a German culture. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, I was the only African-American, the only woman in, in most of the conversations, sometimes even the only American mm-hmm. in conversations. So I really had to shift my mindset and push myself to get to understand the culture of my new organization and the people in my new organization and just really be myself because that's what I realized. I I wasn't bringing myself to work. I was bringing my, my persona to work, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you just, weren't bringing your, you weren't bringing your best self to work. No, I was bringing mm-hmm. what I thought, um, corporate America wanted to see what I thought mm-hmm. was, was, um, the the PC you know person and so I was bringing my persona to work every day and I I wasn't allowing people to really get to know Crystal in an authentic way and so in my new organization um, with my new position I started to build connections with people and go to lunch with people and I started Mm -hmm. to realize that 
you can connect with people on very basic levels. We're both parents or, you know, Mm -hmm. we're both from the North or we, you know, we we're taking, we're taking care of our parents or there's so many different Mm -hmm. things that we can connect on different levels that we can connect on so that people start to feel a connection with you and an affinity for you on a whole new level. I like that. So you said it yourself. So to all my extroverts out there, right, where this is putting you beyond your comfort zone, you know, Crystal said you can connect on things that you have in common. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about, you said you were, you started going to lunch with people, but here's where I have the challenge. And and I'm glad you're here to talk us through this. How do you do that authentically? Mm Because everybody knows, okay, Carmichael's asked me for lunch. What does she want? Right. Mm -hmm. Or so how do you really, really be authentic with it? Right. Mm -hmm. While satisfying maybe both agendas of the person. Mm. Uh, My my goal was authenticity. It really wasn't to um, it wasn't what's in it for me. So I wanted I really wanted to learn about them. And I wanted to know more about, you know, how did you get this role? How did, what, what path did you take? And people really do like to talk about themselves, you know, and once you break down that wall where they, where they understand that I don't have an agenda to, I don't, you know, it's not that I'm coming to get something from you. I just want to learn about you. I want to connect with you. And I started joining other groups in the organization, which made it a lot easier to connect. So um, I joined, we had a community foundation. So I joined the community foundation and going to those meetings and talking to people and connecting with people. And then it became natural to be like, hey, you want to do lunch and you start to meet people in other departments, you know, cross departmental and you start learning things about um, what's going on in their departments and what's, you know, how are, how are their goals feeding into the vision of the organization. And it really just starts to network because then they introduce you to people that they know that you had never had a you know chance to meet. And it starts to build a community and within the organization and you start making connections and become a part of the culture. And so that made it, that made it easier for me to connect with people. It was authentic. It wasn't, you know, I've had people um, that, you know, reach out to me and ask for lunch or whatever. And you can kind of tell when it's, you know, they're social climbing and they're trying to, they're trying to get to the next level or it's, you know, they want to find out how you can help them do something and they're really not interested in you. I never approached it from that standpoint. And when you reach out to people and you begin to build those relationships, I've had experiences where it easily just evolves to a mentoring relationship or Mm -hmm. an advocate, right? This person's like, wow, I learned a lot about Kermitria. I didn't know that about her. I'm going to endorse her because like you said earlier, they know me, they like me, they trust me, right? Yes, yes. And so when you step out and start evolving these relationships, you'd be amazed at how they, what they can evolve into. It, it has been, it was the most beneficial thing in my relationship because what happened, the beautiful, beautiful collateral of it was I was just really trying to push myself outside of my comfort zone and get to know people in the organization. But what happened was people started to contact me for opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Crystal, did you see that position open up? 
I think you should apply for that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think you should run for the president of the community foundation. And, you know, things that people start, I started to build supporters in the organization and it, it started to naturally grow me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this came as a result of you reaching out and people just getting to know Crystal. Yes. And making yeah. them feel comfortable. That's um, right. You know, because what, what I found is a lot of times um, people are just as uncomfortable with getting to know you as you are with getting to know them. Um, I, I have an example. Uh, there was a, a gentleman I worked with. And he was from the Midwest. He uh, tall, maybe maybe six feet tall, white gentleman, bald head. He like fit the, the persona. If you looked at him, you would think, oh my God, skinhead or something. You know, you it just, and he had a, he had a, 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 a um, just a, a he, he never really smiled, right? And so I worked on a project with him and I was like, oh God, this is going to, you know, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> I just had my own perceptions just in my mind based on my belief system, right? But I pushed myself like, let me just get to know him. And, and so every day, you know, I was just, I would be nice to him. Hey, would you like me to bring you some coffee in the morning when we, you know, for our meeting? And I, and he was always receptive, but never really pushed back or never really kind of reached back. And one day after we'd been working hard all day, I said, hey, you want to go to the bar and have a beer? And he's like, sure. We went to the bar. We started to drink and talk. And I learned that, you know, he grew up in a town where there were no black people. And he's and he shared with me. I I don't know. You know, I didn't know how to build a relationship with you. He's like, but you're so cool. And you're. You remind me of somebody I know. And we started to talk about his kids and started to talk about my kids. And over time, we became the best of friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Sometimes it is uncomfortable to do it. And the person that you're re- reaching out to, it's uncomfortable for them. So you got to make people feel comfortable. And I think you said establish those things you have in common right off, because I think that that disarms people. And so let's shift your, your building relationships, right? This is the networking at its best. So I want us to really define, right? What networking is because networking is not showing up at the social spot, right? Coming in, looking a certain way, dropping business cards. It is really a strategy to it. And I've always heard your network is your net worth. So the people you know is your social capital because it's all about relationships, right? So define what network is and how do you do it effectively? So networking is about building relationships and making connections. Like you said earlier, it's not about going to the networking events and handing out your business card to everybody and not connecting with them. It's really about just being authentically you, being a person of value that values people. John Maxwell says that, and I love that. Being a person of value that values people, being a good listener, um, being able to advocate for what you bring to the table and how you serve others and just sharing with them, you know, 
this is how I serve the world. And, you know, if you know anybody who, who needs this, I'd, I'd love to be able to connect with them and learning about how they serve the world and just having that authentic conversation. One of the things I always do is I'm an eye contact person. So when I talk to people, I like to look them in their eyes and connect with them on another level. I'm intent. I'm listening to them. I'm learning what they offer. And I am when they're talking to me, I'm thinking, who can I connect them with? And networking, it's a circle of people that it, it's like a, 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 a web, right? You meet people, they know people who know people who know people. And so you start to connect that web together by offering to connect other people in your circle together, serving. So you offer certain services. I know people who may, might need them. I call you, I pass on opportunities to you. When opportunities come your way that might be good for me, you will call me. And so we start to connect and we build this, this web of people who are serving other people. And that's how you start to grow your network. I like the fact that you said you're building your web to serve people because let's get it clear. Listeners network is not about name dropping. No, I, absolutely not. <laughs> I know this person. Oh yeah. I know this person. Oh, I went to their wedding. Oh, I went to their party. Yeah, you did. But do they really, really know you and how are you guys working together or how are you serving each other? So I really like that clarification, building a web of serving each other. Yes, you serve people. Even if you and I do the same thing, we do it in different ways and you bring different value than I do. So I'm looking at opportunities. How can we work together and do something together? Or how can I pass on opportunities to you and you share opportunities with me? And so it's about serving other people. It's about, that's what connection is about, serving others. No matter what your purpose or passion is at the root, you need other people to make it happen. So my extroverts out there, talk them through it, right? This is probably the scariest thing they will do. They want to accelerate their careers or their business, but they are just afraid of the networking of the event. So how would you advise them? You know, like I said, I'm a, I'm an introvert at my core that has learned to be an extrovert over time because it is a muscle. It really is a muscle that you build over time and you have to push yourself. You have to get out of your own way and stop listening to that little that little voice in your head that you, you, <laughs> that tells you you're being an opportunity. You're being an opportunist and, you know, they don't want to they don't want to get to know you. Stop listening to that little voice. Push yourself. It's so amazing to me um, because there, there's especially early on when I was really building this muscle, there's events that come up and opportunities and I would talk myself out of going. I would talk myself out of going to these events or I'd get to the event and I'm in the corner or I find that one person in the room that I know and I stick to them like glue the entire event. Right. And so I had to challenge myself to just start walking around, saying hi to people, talk to people, make sure I, I show up and, and not just show up at the event, but show up in my full glory, in my light and, and let allow people to get to know me. And that's where when I when I've done that and when I do that, that's where my opportunities come from. I like that, you know, I'm, believe it or not, I'm an introvert too. I can be an extrovert, but I'm definitely one of these people 
that probably um, likes to be behind the scenes, quiet spaces, reading books. And so what I started doing when I when networking was new to me, I would say, OK, Kermitria, here's your goal. Connect with three people at this event. Mm-hmm. And then it would be, OK, Kermitria, connect with five people at this event. Yeah. That's good. And and you're probably like me. Once I get home from the event, I'm kicking my shoes off at the door and I'm trying to find a comfortable place to curl up and fall asleep because I'm That's just right. exhausted. Exhausted. <laughs> exhausted. So I would say to all those introverts out there, you know, do it in small steps. But as yeah. Crystal said, be authentic and connect with people. And and, and, and one more follow up to that is is. When you make these connections, you collect business cards, do something with them. Follow up with the people afterwards, you know, send an email and remind them, hey, it was so great talking to you at XYZ event last night. The the story you shared about da-da-da-da-da really blessed my life. And I would love to continue this conversation with you over lunch or drinks if you have availability. Please, you know, let me know. Mm -hmm. So you remind them of the conversation they had with you. You follow up within the next day and you'll be surprised how many people will respond and be like, yeah, great, let's meet. Right. That's where opportunities exist. That's right. And critical, follow up, follow up, follow up. So listeners... You've gotten out there, you're networking, you're creating this web of serving each other, but you got to follow up, right? You got to execute on it. Absolutely. <laughs> we all can have these great <laughs> strategies and then we don't execute on it. So that is, I really like that. You got to follow up. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, the way we do business, Crystal, is so different now, right? So COVID, yeah. everyone was working from home. If you're like me, you are Zoomed call out. I am WebExed <laughs> out. I am StreamYard out. I am yeah. all of that. But it's our new way of doing business to a degree. Yeah. So how do we effectively network in this virtual environment where, where networking meetings and sessions aren't happening? Conferences are all going virtual. How do we do that and still be um, effective? It is even harder in this environment, right? I, I, I too am zoomed out, right? Um, but what I'm seeing, the best networkers in this time and space are showing up in a new way, right? It's so hard to be present in these virtual conversations. People have their camera off, they're multitasking, they're doing all kinds of things. So first of all, commit to being present. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing, like you said, with with, um, an event. I'm gonna make some connections and I'm I'm gonna make three connections on this call, right? So commit to what is your intention for being at that event? And what do you want to walk away with? And be present ask questions so that people can see that you're engaged. You can send direct messages to people when they, when they make a comment and say, great, you know, great response. I really appreciate that. You can, you can be intentional of following up. And then afterwards, if you have their information, send them an email. Great, you know, great presentation you did yesterday. I'd love to meet with you and follow up afterwards. Again, it's about intention. Mm-hmm. And being present and really honing in on um, building connections. Right, right. So I heard that word, even in the virtual environment, we got to follow up. We got to be intentional. We got to be authentic. Yeah. 
That's important. It is important. And now that that the world is starting to open up, people are eager to connect. That's (laughs) right. In person. So, you know, once once everybody's vaccinated and we can start meeting for lunch, people, you know, reach out to people, check on people, too. That's right. You know, sometimes we are so, you know, it's all about what's in it for me. And if somebody's Mm -hmm. if if somebody doesn't have something that you need right now, you're not following up with them. You're not just sending, you know. You know, you check on people, mm-hmm. even when you don't need something. That's right. I like say, that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> how you, you doing? How are you doing? Yeah. Or yeah. congratulations on, you know, if I see something you did on, you posted on LinkedIn, congratulations on that. I don't want anything. I just want to say hi and congratulations. That's right. Or I just want to check on you and see how you're doing in, you know, in these crazy times. Do right. you need anything? Is there anything I can do to serve you? Right. I like that you keep using the word serve. And we're going to get back to that leadership philosophy but let's continue down the path of networking. So networking, it's a strategy to it. It can be very overwhelming. So how do you determine, because it's all about building relationships, how do you determine, one, who I want to network with, two, how do I keep those relationships warm, three, and what's the follow-up process on those? It's kind of like you got to have a level one, a level two, and a level three, because it can be really overwhelming. So how do you keep, you know, how do you determine which relationships you need? How do you keep them warm authentically? You know, I think all relationships are important to me. All relationships are important to me from, you know, just everyday conversations when you show up if, if if i'm coming to visit you at your office from the security to the front desk everybody that i come in contact with i'm going to show up authentically i'm going to be kind those may not be relationships that i'm going to maintain but when you meet me i want to make an impact on you so all relationships are important and i don't ever try and treat anybody like they're more important than other people all relationships are important to me but as you said, you know, every in the course of business, it's very hard to continue to um, keep relationships warm. So what I do is I reach out to people when they when they come to my mind, I reach out to them and I just say, hey, how are you doing? You know, I check on them. And then there's others that I may put in my calendar, follow up with Carmetria today or, you know, reach out just just to send just some send something to you to keep me on your mind. You know, and it may not, it's not asking you for anything. It's sending something where I can serve you. If if an opportunity comes up and, and I think of you, I send it to you. So I, I make sure that, you know, at least I'm touching you on a regular basis so that you see me and that I, I'm in your, you know, in your headspace when opportunities come up and you think, and, and I'll come up in your mind to think about me. Right. Crystal Kalua. And it's not in a, it's not even like I haven't heard from Crystal in years. Right. She just reached out to me, you know, three months ago. So you're right. It is a very effective way to authentically stay top of mind. And it, I, I, I even do this with my friend circle, Carmitra, because we all live very busy lives. Right. And I have friends that live right here in Atlanta that I don't get to see that often. They've got jobs and careers and businesses and kids. And and so do I. But when when I show up, I show up. When you call me, it's never like, 
where you been? I haven't heard from you. I'm all in, I'm present and I'm here for you. And we, you know, we have that understanding. So I make sure that when we do have time, our time together, it's, it's, it's effective, it's important. And you feel that you have my full attention and you, and our relationship is being nurtured. Okay. So we're going to shift back to leadership style because you keep saying a word that I think leadership should embody, and that is to serve. As leaders, we are here to serve. We are here to influence. We are here to make an impact and really prop up and get the next generations of leaders in place. So let's talk about in your book, you talked about being liked was important to you as a leader. And I know as women, we want to be liked, and I've been there, but I think as your leadership grows, my philosophy is I'd rather be respected than liked. So talk to us about how did your leadership grow from, you know what, it's important for me to be liked because that can be viewed by your leaders as, you know what, she's not going to be a good leader. She's going to not be able to run her team effectively. She's not going to be able to make those hard decisions. So talk to me about your leadership style and then what have you experienced that are good assets of good leaders? So great question. Um, I didn't want to just be liked, Carmitra. I wanted to be loved. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you had it bad. I had it bad. <laughs> I wanted my team to love me. They were like my children. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to see them win, but I was I was mothering was the word um, that my, my CFO actually said that to me. He said that I was mothering and I was so offended. I was like, huh? What does that mean? And I was like, I'm a great leader. My team loves me, you know, and if you look at my, my three sixties, my scores for my team is that they love me. And he's like, yeah, but can you make the decisions, the right, you know, the decisions um, that are right for the organization and I, you know, can you correct them? Can you build them to be other leaders? And I had to challenge myself and I really I started reading and, and um, taking classes and, you know, really focusing on leadership. And that was the time when um, I became a John Maxwell certified speaker, trainer and coach, because I really um, I as I started to learn what leadership really is, leadership is influence, you know, and like you said, having people respect you, not necessarily love you, but respect you for, for your excellence. And so I came up with my own three pillars, um, service, humility, and excellence, service to others, um, and building influence. And, you know, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the bigger picture. It's about the vision of the organization. And that's where we're going to focus. And in order to do that, we have to have the tough conversations. It's not because I don't, I don't um, love you. It's not because I don't care about you or want you to grow. It's because I want, I want you to grow. I want you to be better. So we have to have those tough conversations and I have to, I will use care and candor to help you be better. Right. You, grace and grit yes absolutely and then humility you know learn to to listen um and build other leaders it was not about you know 
um, me helping them. And I know I need to, I need to build a succession plan. I need to build other leaders and, and, and build my talent so that, um, when I leave, somebody can step in my place. Otherwise I'm doing you a disservice. Need to, you know, I can't provide all the answers. And then excellence, you know, everything that we do is in excellence and we, we exceed expectations. So I had to make a, a major shift in mindset and I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't doing my team any service by mothering them, had to push them to be the best. But I think as women, that is just who we are at our core. We are very nurturing. Um, we are very supportive. And I think that just comes out naturally. Um, mm -hmm. I had Mary Engel on uh, my last podcast. She's an executive coach. And she talked about that as women leaders, you should think of yourself as a mother, right? Because as mothers, we have to what? Resolve conflict. Mm -hmm. We have to nurture. We have to give feedback. We have to have tough conversations. Yeah. But there's a way you can do it and still be an effective leader. Right. So thank you for sharing service, humility, and excellence as your three pillars of leadership. Um, you invested in yourself. You said mm -hmm. you read books. You went and got John Maxwell certified. You got mm -hmm. an executive coach. Mm -hmm. Tell us why it's so important to invest in ourselves as leaders and entrepreneurs. Because you are the guarantee. And what does that mean exactly? You are the guarantee there. You, we invest in so many things that give us no return on investment. But when you invest in yourself, you are guaranteed to grow. You are getting even in an organization. When I when I determined that I needed an executive coach, my leadership denied my request. They said that they they didn't you know, they didn't pay for executive coaches. And so I made that investment in myself because I realized I'm the guarantee when I leave this organization, all my knowledge and everything that I, that I pour into myself comes with me. I don't leave it here. I take it with me. So you are the guarantee and never stop growing. Leaders never stop learning and growing. You're right about that. And what I, what I've learned too, as a leader you have to learn, right? Let's let the ego go. I don't know everything. Be, you know, be above, you know, call up somebody and say, hey, I see you're over here doing that. Help me understand, you know, help me out a little bit. I think sometimes as leaders, we are so focused on the title and the ego that we really forget the, the realness and the serious obligation of being a good leader. And so I really like you talk about investing in yourself and you are, you know, no longer in corporate America. You took the jump and I want you to talk to us about that day, you know, let, take us into Crystal's head and the day you decided, you know what, I'm ready to take the jump. Ooh, that was a, that was a. <laughs> Carmitra, that was a that was probably the most major decision of my life. Um, I was at a, a peak of my career. Um, anybody looking from the outside was like, you've got a dream job. You know, um, your your leadership team is very supportive of you. You're growing. I used to get a brand new car every six months, right? <laughs> so I, I 
had a, I had good pay. Everything looked good. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't feel fulfilled on the inside. I realized that, you know, I could do the, the task, the, um, the technical part of my job with my eyes closed, but there at, at the core of me, what I really loved was seeing people grow. What I really loved was mentoring and sponsoring and teaching and educating and speaking. And that was, that was when my light shined the brightest. And I could feel it. It was like, like, you know, you've got, you've got a light switch and it's, it's turned down. And the more I would speak and the more I would see that aha moment on people's faces, my light would just get brighter and brighter. And it, and, and it just felt so good. And so I was just, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I do this? And in 2015, I went to uh, South Africa with some other couples, my husband and I, we went on a couple's trip and we were on the top of Table Mountain in South Africa. And I've never felt so close to God, Carmichael. I was like, I'm in the clouds, I'm in the heavens. And so me and my girlfriend stood together and we prayed and we just we were like, he's got to hear us now because we're right here in the heavens, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we prayed. Can you and hear when, me now? Can you yeah, hear me can now? you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> and when I opened my mouth, what came from my soul was, God, I want to be able to travel this world and serve your people without worrying about resources and, um, you know, vacation time and, you know, a job. I want, I want to be able to travel and serve people fully. And when I, after the prayer, I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was really what was on my heart. And so I started thinking, how can I do this? And through my John Maxwell training and education, I was like, oh, this is something I can do all over the world and speak to people and inspire people and help them to transform their lives. I can do this from all over the world. And it, it's, I saw new possibilities and a new avenue. And so I had to make a decision, you know, am I going to um, try and straddle the fence and do it here? Or am I going to put together a plan? And I put together a three-year plan to exit corporate America, where I started to build my business in advance and started to grow my revenues for, for my business um, to a point where I could comfortably walk away. And I, and I, and when I made that decision, I, I decided that my company, the company I worked for, was gonna was gonna become a sponsor of Crystal Khalil. They were gonna sponsor me in my passion in building my business. And so I started to treat it that way. I started to treat it as a um a sponsorship in my business. Make sure I was saving, I was putting, you know, putting in the money that was needed to um to grow my business and make sure I had the systems and tools and processes I needed. And anything that you focus on expands. And so when I made that decision, um it uh, things started to line up. Once you decide, the universe just kind of lines up with you. And so things started to line up and I was able to execute that 3-year plan in 2 years. Wow. Look at that. Exceeded expectations. Exceeded expectations. So tell us now, what is Crystal Khalil doing after her corporate career? Huh. So when I left left corporate America, January 11th of 2020, I retired and stepped out into 
Crystal Khalil and Associates, um, which is an executive coaching organiza organizational development firm. I thought I had it all figured out what I was going to do. And about a month after, I received a call from a former business colleague, Dr. Nicola Beach. She had been on business at my former company, and we had become associates, business associates, had maybe met four times. But every time we met, there was a this this really a soul connection, a soul tie. And she reached out to me. She'd heard that I left my my company and stepped out on my own and she was in a, in the similar space and she'd had her own business for almost 20 years in executive coaching organizational development and she called me and said I heard that you stepped out on faith and I would like to celebrate you and I was like wow and it touched my soul she said I've been out here in this entrepreneurial space I left corporate America as well I've been doing this for almost 20 years I've got some lessons learned if there's anything I can do to show you the way to help you I want to make myself available to you and she said and I just want to celebrate you so I'd like to invite you to my house for breakfast to celebrate your decision and I was like oh <laughs> sweet and so I went to her house for breakfast and eight hours later we had created sister diamonds so her business with Volition Enterprises and I had Crystal Khalil and Associates was, which was our B2B um, organizational development and executive coaching firms we combined forces I became a partner with her in Volition Enterprises and then we formed a new organization called Sister Diamonds Sister Diamonds is focused on cultivating women of color in leadership and love. We realized that, you know, what we had was special, that that coming together collectively to shine our light, we realized that was brilliance. We're like, wow, um, you know, so many people are competing and competitive and it's always, you know, either you or me, but how much more powerful we would be if we come together. Oh my goodness. Collaborate right? and don't compete. Collaborate yes, and don't compete. Yes, absolutely. So we are so much more powerful when we can come together and say, you know, she's like, she's been in business. She's successful, but she realized, you know, she's got past performance. She's got uh, minority women on certification. I have connections that I can bring to her and together we can grow this thing. We can do this together. And then, you, you know, many hands make work light. That's what, my, that's what my partner always says. Many hands make work light. And so our first endeavor with Sister Diamond was, was to be at was a women's conference called She Brilliance. Um, and based on service, humility, and excellence, that acronym is SHE. So the, 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 the conference was going to be a women's conference called She Brilliance. And the week that we were due to sign our, our contracts, COVID happened and everything started shutting down. So we had to make a pivot. We, we said, okay, you know, how do we go virtual with this thing? How do we pivot? And so we're in the process of investigating different ways to go virtual with our conference. And then the George, George Floyd situation happened. Dr. Nicole's a, a Spelman College professor. And so she was sharing with me how the impact of both COVID and the social injustice, what it, the impact and the disruption it was having on her students. And so we thought, wow, well, instead of doing our She Brilliance conference first, why don't we do something to support these young women? 
because they they need support right now. You know, they're going through so much. A lot of them, you know, they were being sent home from school because of COVID. And then a lot of them were on the front lines of the protests. And it was just a lot going on in the world and a lot of depression. And so we brought in 50 Spelman College students into a focus group and said, how can we serve you? We want to put on an event for you. We want to inspire you and motivate you. What do you need? We, we, will, we will provide the resources and help you to, to, to create something for your peers. And from that, the International Slumber Party was born. And in less than 90 days... We put on an, a virtual event, which was attended by 10,000 young women of color from 39 countries. We got picked up on 267 media outlets, including Good Morning America, Steve Harvey Morning Show, Google News, Yahoo News. We impacted the lives of young women all over the world. And it was all. I know. Of- I was there. It was yes, electric. <laughs> It was electric. <laughs> it was electric. And you oh. were there. It was it was amazing. And we couldn't even have when I left corporate America, I had no idea what was gonna happen for me in what eight months. That was not even in my purview. So it's just it was just amazing. And it was and it was all because we came together to shine our light. Beautiful smart boss women like yourself joined forces with us and said, how can we serve these girls? And as a result, we touched over 10,000 girls. That's impact. That is what I call impact. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations to you for taking everything you've learned in corporate and just really Uh, Taking the jump, because that's not an easy decision. It's a leap of faith. It's scary. It's lonely. It's isolating. Yeah. God is talking to you. You're talking to yourself. To your point, sometimes the negative self-talk come in. Yes. Um, But I'm a firm believer in where he guides, he provides. Yes. And just put it out there. Yes. You know, and part of being a leader, and, and what you said is being humble, humility. Right. right. It's so much. It's beyond, um, you know, our talents, abilities and gifts and knowing that a higher power is in control. So thank you for that. Sister Diamonds, you guys. And where can they find out more information, Crystal, um, on Sister Diamonds? Oh, SisterDiamonds.com. You can find out more information about what we're doing in the community. Um, International Slumber Party as well. Um, you can follow us on social media. The next Slumber Party is on July 31st. So if you have any young women in your network between the ages of 18 to 25, please have them register at the International Slumber Party. It's free. Did I say it's free, Carmetria? It's free. (laughs) So make sure you you share within your network. And and you can follow me, of course, at Crystal Khalil on all social media. And we just talked about investing in yourself. So there's no reason for for someone to miss this. It's free, right? It's free. The only investment is their time. (laughs) 
It is their time. And mm-hmm. you know, we say free lightly because really it's not free. It's paid forward. It's paid right. forward by sisters like yourself and, you know, organizations that believe in these young women and believe in their potential and their brilliance and genius. So don't miss an opportunity um, to be poured into and make sure that you register. If you're between 18 and 25, you need to you be need there to be July there. 31st. Yeah. That's good. So we're going to wrap it up now. This has been a great conversation with Crystal Khalil, author, entrepreneur, former corporate executive. She talked to us about working hard, networking, and now just taking all of that and paying it forward and being an entrepreneur for herself to prop up other women leaders. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I always end the podcast with rapid fire questions because I think it's important just like you said, for our listeners to be able to connect with you, right? You, somebody may hear this and may, you know, come to one of your speaking engagements and say, wow, I heard her on mind your business and we have this in common. Yes. So I want us to just do some rapid fire questions. So this is just, um, you know, whatever comes top of mind and let's be authentic. Yes. Um, my favorite thing to do is sit by the beach. Is there a particular beach in mind? No, any white sand beach oh, will do. I just I'm love this. Oh, I just love to sit by the beach and just reflect and hear from God and just yep. be at peace. And the sun is so healing. Oh, it really is. The sun is so healing. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good. I believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about that. Yes. Yes. Amen. Success is. Leaving it all on the table. Nice. Making sure that you have, you have done, you have given a full effort so that at the end of the day and at the end of your life, you know, God can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. Leaving Mm -hmm. it all on the table, not having regrets. Mm -hmm. And as we look back on 2020, which was a, an unusual year for all of us. We didn't foresee it. We didn't know it was coming. What was your aha moment during the pandemic? I realized during the pandemic, how small the world really is Mm -hmm. and how interconnected and how inexplicably intertwined all of our lives are. Mm -hmm. The, the pandemic sat us all down. (laughs) It really made us all sit down and we realized that, you know, things don't have to be in person, you know, with, with technology, we can have events and invite people from all over the world. We were focused on having a little event in Atlanta, Georgia with a hundred people. And we ended up having an event with 10,000 women from 39 countries. Right. It challenged us to think outside the boxes, actually remove the boxes, walls, and borders, and think mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. I love it. Not only personally, right, but businesses. I think the way we do business now is going to look so different. Working from home, going into the office only a few days a week, the way we transact business. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We can still do it and do it, to, in my opinion, just as good or even better as before. Absolutely. So I think that that was a, a learning opportunity for us in 2020. So thank you, Crystal Khalil, for your time. Author of Hard Workers Work Hard and Networkers Move Up. Uh, founder in partnership with Dr. Nicola Beach of Sister Diamonds. I appreciate everything you do for women and women of color. And more importantly, thank you for your time on the Mind Your Business podcast today. We appreciate you. 
Thank you, Carmetria. I really hope you took something away from today's episode. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me or my guest on our socials, which are linked in the episode description. And again, if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a rating, and share it with your network. Thank you for listening in. And remember, mind your business.